afternoon, TLC. It's good to see you guys. It's been a while since I've been up here. I've uh, been out of town for a few weeks. Just got back, well, got back from Peru Mission last week, so, you know, it's good to be back. I miss you guys. I miss you guys. miss preaching the Word. So we got a good word for you today. We were supposed to go into a, a series called um, All In, which is a series about stewardship, but uh, while I was gone, everyone said, yeah, how about we do a, uh, an impromptu series on, like, just Church 101. I said, that's a great idea, you know? And as uh, Evan was preaching the past two messages that Evan listened to, it's a fantastic message about learning of why we do what we do, giving and, and singing, right? And we just decided, let's, let's just continue that. Let's just continue a few more messages in regarding and knowing why we do what we do, right? In service, in faith, and whatever, in church life, you know? And uh, the first message Evan gave was about giving. If you guys weren't there for that, uh, wearetruelove.com slash sermons, right? Go online, check it out. It's a great message upon on giving, upon tithing, and what the whole heart of it is for. God does not need your money, but it is a way of saying, I trust you. I trust in who you are, God, as you've approached the, the, um, the place of offering, as you've approached the place of tithing. Right? It's learning to really understand that everything you have belongs to God anyways, and trusting him with your finances. And then last week... Uh, Evan gave a message on us on singing, right? And man, I gotta tell you, man, I was, I had a revelation with that message. It, it just kind of blew my mind, right? How like, you know, when my Lynn was um, sharing the whole science behind like singing and how it like has that love hormone and it connects everyone together and it has this ability as you focus on one thing, it, it brings the community and the body together as one. I was like, I was kind of like, Going through my mind, I think one thing that God kind of revealed to me as he kind of said this, he said, you know, before you knew how, I already did it, right? Before you knew how, I already showed you why, that you should do it. We don't know why. We don't know how it works. We don't know how singing or how giving comes together and it kind of just works itself out how it brings the community together. But before we knew how it worked with the whole, like, science behind it, God says, just do it. And it actually happened, you know? And that's, why, that's, that's what I really enjoyed about that message, was just really realizing that oftentimes we don't understand every nuance and every bit and pieces of why we do what we do in church. And yet, God in his wisdom calls us to step into that, calls us to trust in that. And in the process of doing that, we develop this connection, develop this community, develop this body. And then when science catches up and tells us exactly why that happens, then we realize, oh, that makes sense. I knew that all along, right? And it, and it blew my brain because I was thinking about, like, how this played out in all, like, aspects of practicality. That's why we love karaoke so much in our church. Don't you know that, right? Man, there's nothing that brings a party together when someone brings a mic and a karaoke machine. It's just, that's it. That's, that's the rest of the party. It's just whatever comes down. And it brings everyone. doesn't matter how bad you are or how great you are. It will bring people together, you know? I mean, I, I, was, I was thinking further, right? I was like, man, you know, we have a lot of, like, uh, people who love music festivals in our church, right? I was like, why, why is it that they love it so much, you know? And I was like, it's the music. It brings, hopefully it's just that, okay? Hopefully it's just, <laughs> it's the music that brings them together, right? And it connects them and takes them out of this whole out-of-body experience. Hopefully, again, it's just the music that's doing that, right? But it's, it's that, it's this connection of music that creates that. And even, even it was funny, like, um, coming back from Peru, we had a, we had a layover, and Danny being Danny was like, APT, you should play the guitar, right? I'm like, bro, like, are you telling me or are you asking me? He's like, just play. 
right? So I was like, and whenever he does that, I was like, yeah, okay, fine, right? So I took the guitar out, and he's like, he's, he's like, he's banging on the, on the case with his drum, and I'm just playing, I'm singing some, you know, praise songs out in the airport, right? And I, for some reason, I was singing pretty good. I, I, I sound like I was singing pretty good. I was like, man, I, man, I'm doing pretty well today, right? And then, you know, Dan was getting into it, and I was like, wow, why does it, why does it sound like it's, like, I'm really on key today, you know, like in the airport. Maybe it's the acoustic and everything. But then I started realizing as I was like kind of quieting down, there was, there was some dude in the bathroom singing with me, right? I was like, oh, snap. And then like back in the cafe, there was another dude singing in the cafe. I was like, oh, that's probably why. But, but, it was kind of, but like, then as, as we kept playing, they, they, as I kept playing louder, they walked down and they said, hey, I know that song. And they're like, okay. So he just kept singing. And it was this really weird impromptu, right? Where's Hope, right? Hope, right? Where you at? Right, right? She was there. She was, of course, she wasn't like, she was just, don't bother me. I'm just kind of like, Danny, Tony, stop, please, right? But we're just playing. They're coming out and they start singing. And then it brings, there's something about music that connects and brings people together in the unity of it, right? And something that we try to teach our youth group all the time is like, y'all's got to sing. The fact that you guys are so like, everything sounds so dead in the youth group service is because y'all don't sing, right? And, and they don't realize what, sh- I hope they do, like, it's that, in the process of just singing, whether you're on key or not, right, as you begin to give this praise, as you begin to offer this note to the Lord, it actually has this power within it to con- connect and bring the community together, you know? And so that's my prayer. I mean, as, as I was kind of going through that, as, as, uh, as I'm listening to you guys singing during service, just, yeah, as, as long as we continue to sing in our service, I, and I realize it's, it's probably not even how well the musicians are, it's... Honestly, if the people all sing, it just elevates the whole thing as a, as, as a thing. If, if Chris is by himself and he's off, whatever, if I'm up there, I'm off. And I, but you guys are all singing together. I've, there's like there's something about the unity of that that elevates and brings God's people, God's worship correctly together. So we, uh, Church 101, we, 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 uh, we really want to kind of guide you in that area. This Today, we're talking about prayer. What is prayer? You know, what is prayer? Where do we pray? Why do we pray? And let's, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we, uh, we get started, but <clears throat> I'm going to lead you through a lot of passages today, okay? So if you have your Bibles, don't worry. Take those Bibles and the green Bibles out. We're going to, I have all the pages for you so you can flip to them real fast. But let's pray before we get started. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for this afternoon together with our, our English ministry service, Lord, our college and young adults and married couples. Father, I just pray over them at this moment that we will have a greater heart when it comes to prayer. Lord, we confess that oftentimes we put prayer aside uh, for other things. Oftentimes, Lord, we, we, we choose uh, to neglect the discipline of prayer because we don't really see personal benefits or uh, results from it. But I pray, oh God, that um, through your word and through your teaching today, God, that you would just illuminate our hearts, give us revelation of what the beauty and the power of prayer can do. And I just want to pray for that, that you will cover our church, our community, that we will be a people of prayer. That, God, that it will not just be Jeremiah up here praying for us, but, Lord God, that we will have a community of people crying out to you in prayer over and over. So, Lord, would you meet us in this place? Holy Spirit, would your word, um, would you allow for your word to open our ears, open our ears and our hearts so that your word may come and sink and take root. We praise you. We thank you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Imagine you were diagnosed. Okay. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition, okay, that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless 
you took a particular medicine, a pill every night before going to sleep, right? You are diagnosed with this lethal condition that unless you took this pill every night, you will wake up dead. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die, okay? Would you forget, okay? Would you actually forget? I mean, if you're emo and you want to die, you're probably, I just want to die, right? But most of the time, majority of the time, you will probably say, no, I'm not going to forget. And if you have someone who loves you, they're not going to make you, they're not going to let you forget to take the pill. They're going to remind you day and day. It's not going to be like one of those, you know, because I'm pretty bad with medicine too. It's not going to be like, um, I feel all right today. I think I can skip over a night, you know, and I'll be all right next day. If you were diagnosed with a lethal condition that's killing you, that's going to kill you, and there's a pill for it, but you can't miss it, would you forget to do it? Right? And I'm hoping your answer would be no. Right? If your answer is yes, then let's talk later, okay? Right? You would never miss it. You wouldn't forget it, and you would definitely never miss it. Can I tell you something? Like Prayer is like this. Right? Prayer is like this because if we don't pray to God, we're not going to make it. Now, we, don't, we might not face the sudden onslaught of death right away. Right? We might not have the, like, the analogy shows us that quick sudden death. But some of you might know the feeling of it, the lack of prayer in your life. Probably, probably experienced it even now, right? The slow, drawn-out death. You guys know what I'm talking about? The, the, the hollowing feeling that's inside. That once was full, seems to be kind of being carved out. Something's empty. The feeling of you're missing something. The feeling of numbness. The feeling of apathetic sensation. I don't care. You don't want to say I don't care out loud because you know that's not the right thing to say, but something in your heart as prayer begins to be missing in your life, there's a hollowing sensation that begins to happen, an emptiness that begins to take form. It's not a sudden death, but it's a drawn-out death, right, to the point where it's killing your spiritual nerves in such a degree where you don't even realize it's actually happening to you, where you think that everything is okay because on the outside, I look okay. On the outside, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But yet the lack of prayer in your life, the forgetfulness of it, the lack of discipline of it is actually hollowing you out, emptying you day by day, drawing out that long, long death, right? My, my hope for today is that we understand what is prayer. What is it? Where do we pray? And why do we pray? That's it. What is prayer? I mean, it seems like we're going back to a very basic idea of it, but that's what I want to make sure you guys understand. What is prayer? Where do we pray? And why do we, why, why, why do we pray? Okay? And I hope when we get to the why part, you guys are going to be excited because as I was studying this and as I was praying about this, I just realized how amazing God is and what a privilege it is to allow for us, his children, to pray. Okay? And I hope that it's more than just words for you guys, that it would inspire you and it would strengthen you to pray more and more. But what is prayer? Let's start with that. What is prayer? Okay. Prayer is the intentional conveying of a message to God. It's intentionality. You're conveying a message to God. It's more than just talking to God. Okay. It's more than just, I mean, it is at the basic level, it is talking to God, but talking to God gives you the impression that you're having this conversation. You guys get me? Whenever God speaks back to you, that's not prayer. That's revelation. If God speaks to you, that's illumination. Right? But when you convey, when you intentionally speak to God, that is prayer. Right? It's more than just uh, communicating 
uh, words. Because sometimes you don't just say words. The Bible, as, uh, as, as Jeremiah was, praying, uh, was saying in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Can we put that up there, Romans chapter 8, verse 26? 8, verse 26. It says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That oftentimes prayer to God is not just words, but groaning of our spirit is a prayer to God. It inspires, our Holy Spirit inspires our heart as it groans out in this desire to meet, to know, and to want God. So prayer, listen, prayer is more than just the aspect of talking or having a conversation with God, okay? Prayer is this intentional desire for you to convey a message to him. And what is that message? What is that message that we are trying to convey to God? That message plays out in five different areas, okay? Uh, if you open your Bibles, the green one or the orange one, uh, page 679, Matthew 77, page 679, Matthew 77. This is what it says. If I can get there myself, Matthew 7, 7. We're just going to be flipping through, you know, give a little Bible exercise today. Matthew 7, 7, this is what it says. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. The message that you are trying to convey to God, the intentional message that you are giving to him is a message of supplication. It's a message of seek, seeking, of beseeching. You are asking God for something. You are asking God for almost anything. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Some of us, we have this kind of mentality that I don't want to ask God for the small things. I seem like that God will only answer. I don't want to bother God with the small, tiny things of my life. I will only talk to God when I'm really in desperate need, when things are outside of my ability or outside of my control. See, if you, if you say that, okay, if you say that, it reveals something. Whether you know it or not, but it reveals something about your heart. It reveals whether you actually trust God or not. See, for a son to trust his father or for a daughter to trust her father, it is a constant journey of trust. That the only reason why the son keeps asking is because the son keeps trusting and knowing that the father will answer. The only reason that the daughter keeps asking is because the daughter knows that the father will answer, whether it's answer that you want or not. It's a trust that the Father will answer. How do I know this? Because I am a father, right? I know this, but I'm an evil father because I'm human, right? So, this, this, something, so it goes something like this. My son will come to me, and he will ask, Dad, you'll ask me all these random questions. I'll try my best to answer it, or he'll ask me to do this, do that, and I'll do it to a point where I'll be like, stop. Get out of here. Go away. Later, right? And then, you know, he'll get offended, and he'll get sad, and he just kind of walks away. And I'm like, ah, whatever. He's, he'll, he'll get out of it, you know? And the next day, what does he do? He doesn't ask me anymore. He asks his mom. So I'm just sitting there, I'm waiting. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Ask mom, right? But then he goes out the whole day. He keeps asking mom. And he comes to me, he's like, hi, dad. And he just goes and asks mom. I'm like, ask, ask me, right? I, yesterday was yesterday, but today's today. Ask today, you know? And he does it. He has like, and I, but I don't want to tell him to go come and ask me because, you know, that's too prideful. So I'm like, Hey, Seth, how you doing? Hi, Daddy. Mom, can you, you know, and he goes to Mom. I'm like, hey, ask me. Ask me, right? If being a sinful man, a sinful father, I understand the idea of wanting my son to ask me for something. How much more do you think the Father in heaven who loves you, who made you, desires for you to ask him for all things? You guys get that? And when you ask him for all things, what that reveals about your heart is that you actually trust him. 
Now, I'm not saying that when you ask him, he's going to give it to you, right? If, if Seth comes and asks me for a mountain of jelly beans, I'll be like, no, right? I don't care how much you want it. You ain't going to get a mountain of jelly I'll give you one, maybe, right? You ain't getting no mountain, you know? In the same way, if you come and you ask, you, you're allowed to ask God anything you want. But in his wisdom, he's going to tell you no, or he's going to tell you yes, depending on what's good for you, because he's the Father. You guys get me? Right? And so, what kind of message do we convey to the Father? What's the intentional message that we're supposed to offer to him? One is it, it is the message of supplication. It is the message of beseeching, the message of asking. You are allowed to ask him, and he wants you to ask him. He, he, he actually desires for you, his children, to ask him, for you not to be afraid. The only reason why, listen, the only reason why you're afraid to ask him is because you have developed the habit of asking him only in areas where you need most help. So you develop this kind of inward guilt that you say, I can't really ask him because I've only asked him for areas when I, only times when I actually need help. And so because you develop that personal habit, you develop that personal guilt. When you develop that personal guilt, you're afraid to approach the Father, while all the time the Father says, yes, I love to save you, but I also want to be your Father. So come and ask me. Don't be afraid to ask me. Trust me. All right? If you have a Father and he would answer your, prayer, or answer your request, how much more do you think I will? Okay? That's the first thing. The second thing, Psalm 145, verses 2 to 3, pages 435. In your Bible, page 435, Psalm 145, verses 2 to 3. Psalm 145, just a few pages. Psalm 145, practice for me too. 145, verses 2, if you don't have it, that's okay, it's on the board. 2 to 3, it says this, Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. What kind of message are we to convey to God? What is the intentional message in which we come to God to convey? We convey a message of supplication, a message of beseeching, a message of asking, and we convey a message of praise. To actually praise him. To praise him for the things around you. You guys ever had a good meal? And when you finish a good meal, what do you know? You always said that was good. You praise the cook, you praise the, the restaurant, right? I know that you guys know how to praise things. You know why? Because every time a new boba shop opens up, I see Instagrams of boba, boba, right? New place, we know exactly where to go because of your praise for wherever boba shop, new boba shop opens up, right? I know that you understand praise. And so when, when we come before our God, it is coming to him in terms of praising him for the things we have around us, for the things that he has done. When we look at this, I mean, again, you guys Instagram all these beautiful nature scenes, right? I'm all, like, I don't know why, right? It's like, it's like you post it up and like I see this cloud, and ooh, it's pretty, right? Why? I'm like, it's pretty. Praise God for the prettiness of it, right? The ocean, the mountains, that you praise him. The life that you have for the, for the breath that you um, that you breathe, that you would praise him. And he calls us to praise him. He calls us each day to give praise, an attitude of, an attitude of realizing, you know what, all the stuff that I have, right, all the stuff that's around me, right, made by his hand. Give him praise for it. You know, like, um, there's a, you know when, when, you know when the Adele uh, album dropped, the second one, the one with, um, <clears throat> hello from the other, you know that, when that thing dropped for the first time, it was like within 10 minutes, 
There was like videos about it. There were memes about it. It was just constant all over the internet, right? They had the SNL discs about it. It was just all over the place, right? Because there was something about that song that just touched everyone's life. I don't know, everyone was like lonely or like heartbroken or something. I don't know what happened, right? But it just touched everyone's life. And they were just praising Adele for just being able to sing a song that pierces to the very depths of the human emotion, right? And everyone loved it. They, they enjoyed it. But there was a praise. It was a natural praise. And yet how, how difficult it is for us to actually give praise to God, right? We praise, we praise a song for a, an emotional turmoil that we might have gone through. But yet we have a different, very difficult um, way of actually praising God for the actual world that we live in, for the, for the privilege that we have here in this country or the house that we have, that we actually forget to praise him, right? So what message do we give? We give a message of asking. We give a message of praise. Page 867, Revelations 11 to 17. 11, verse 17. Page 867 in your Bible. Revelations 11, 17. And it says this. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Right? We give thanks to you. You can thank him as a message, you thank him for the gifts and the acts that he has done for you. You give thanks to God. You give thanks to God for the good and the bad. You guys realize that? True trust in God is not just giving thanks to God when things go your way. When you pass the exam, it's easy to say thank you, God, right? But how many of you guys actually say thank you, God, when you fail the exam? Right? Oh, like, like why? Right? God said there's a lesson I want to teach you. <laughs> thank me for this, Right? We thank God when we receive a gift that we love. How many of you guys actually thank God when tragedy happens? How many of us actually give thanks to God when things don't go our way? How many of us are actually grateful for the actual things that we have? You know, do you realize that when you pray before a meal, sometimes we, we've gotten into the habit when we pray before a meal, thank you, Lord, for this food. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, right? It, it becomes like a... Like a, like, a, like a chant that we've gotten used to saying, right? Versus actually being in the moment and giving thanks for the food, for the hands that actually was providing it, for the, for, the mount, for, for the job that you have that you didn't have before, to pay for it, for the actual bounty that's before you, right? Where, where, where most people in most world, most countries can't even eat food like this, and yet we have the privilege and the glory to give thanks to God for this. And yet so many times, you know what the, the I hate giving the label, but oftentimes the label that's given over to millennials and, and Generation Z is a spirit of entitlement, where you think that you are entitled to it, and so you forget to give thanks for it. And so when we come before God, one of the messages that we convey a message that we recognize that he is who he is, is a message of thanksgiving. Thank you that I was able to have the education that I was given. Thank you for my children, even though they're bratty, right? Thank you for, my, for the house that I can live in. Thank you for the car that keeps running out of gas, that keeps breaking apart on me. Thank you that I can travel from point A to point B, even though it overheats by the time it gets there. But thank you that I can get there, right? We give thanks. We give thanks in the good and the bad, it is an attitude of gratefulness. You know, last, yesterday, like on, on a, um, when Seth was, like, uh, he was being bratty, and I remember, like, uh, someone, someone told me, like, he was, he was crying. So, you know, whenever he cries, I get, kind of, I get a little upset. I was like, why are you crying? And I found out, like, he, was, he said something really pretentious, right? 
He said, like, uh, to some people, like, hey, you didn't bring any gifts for my brother Enoch, right? And I was like, whoa, 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 come here. And he was crying, like, Dad, don't hurt me. I'm like, no, come here, right? Not in public, of course not. Come here, right? <laughs> you know, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I mean, I get it. You're trying to, like, protect, I mean, like, love your brother. You want people to give gifts. But they gave their time. Can you put up the balloon? He's like, no. Like, can you, do you know how to put this stuff together? Like, no. So isn't that a gift that they gave to you and to your brother? Like, yeah. Be grateful, stupid. What's wrong with you? Right? But it is the spirit of ungratefulness that we have accompl- that we have just taken over our life because we feel so entitled to everything around us that we forgot to be grateful for the little things that we do have. Right? It's a spirit of thanksgiving that we offer whenever God gives us something, whether it's whether we get that job or whether we just lost the job. It is saying, I thank you, God, because I trust you. Right? How about this? So what message do we convey? We, we convey a message of asking, a message of praise, a message of thanks. Page 386, Psalm 32, to five, verse 5. Right? Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Verse 5. Page 386 in your Bible. Green one and orange one. This is what it says right here. 332, verse 5. It says, Then I acknowledge my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. One of the messages we begin to convey to God is a message of confession, right? As Christians, as people who, who come before God. Can I tell you guys something about confess, confessing, right? Confession is not just about saying, oh, forgive me, Father, I've lied. Or forgive me, Father, I got drunk. Or forgive me, Dad, I took a line tonight. Or forgive me, Dad, I, I, was, I was high. Or forgive me, Father, I, um, whatever, fill in the blanks, right? Where you're asking for the outward, peripheral response of your sins, right? You, you, you think that sin is about just doing bad things. The confession that tells you that you understand God and actually love God and trust God is a confession that goes back to why you did it. What's at the root cause of your confession? Father, forgive me for I have lied, but why did I lie? I lied because I cared so much what people thought of me. Because my reputation and my pride was more important than telling the truth. And so I want to create a front, and therefore I want to continue my lie. Continue to show people something that really is not me, so that I can keep my pride intact. Forgive me, Father, for I got drunk the other night. Okay, but why did you get drunk? Because there's something that I'm running from. That there's something that I value more than just you. That I'd rather have that. See, confession is not just about the outward peripheral things. Right? I can care less how many times you lie. Right? I can care less how many times you, 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 you've done, quote, unquote, something bad. What I can care more is that do you understand the root heart of why you did it? Do you, can, you, can you confess the root idol that drives you? Is it your vanity? You care what people think about how you look? I can't go out. Why? Because I have a pimple. So everyone has pimples, right? You don't understand. I have an image. I have Instagrams. I have, you know, whatever, you know? I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Face the world, why? Because I just failed my, I failed my test and I, I failed out of school. I'm, I'm an embarrassment to everybody. But why does that matter? Because my pride and reputation is important. 
Oh, I, I can't go on. Why? Because I lost a relationship. But well, why does that matter? Because a relationship means more to me. You understand that? So the confession that we convey to God, the message that we convey to God is a confession, but not just about peripheral sins. That's just, that's just like washing the outside of it. A true confession before God is a confession that goes down to the heart of it. That's what's going to bring change, not the outside stuff. I lied. Forgive me. Let it go. I lied because this is why. This is what's so important to me. This is what I put always before you. This is what's at the heart of my, of my, of my actions. And that's where the change happens, not up here. No, I mean, don't do it up here. Don't, don't be going around killing people. But like, I'm just saying, like, at the heart of it, are we, really, are we going there in our confessions? Are we going there in our message before God? So when we pray, right, don't let your prayers and your message to God be so shallow. But would you let it go deeper deeper into the very depth of why. Why this is so important to you? Why did you put your whole entire life in it? Why would you bank your whole existence on this? Why that if you lose this, you feel like you've lost everything? Go there in your prayers. And lastly, okay, page 434, Psalm 142. Psalm 142. I just want to make sure you guys, you know, I want you guys to flip through it so that, you know, I'm not just like quoting random passages that's actually in the Bible, you know. Keep me honest. Psalm 142, verses 1 through 2. This is what it says. This is what the psalmist said. He says, I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I poured out my complaint before him. Before him, I tell my trouble. Right? And one of the other messages that you're allowed to convey to God is a message of complaint. Right? I know the Bible in Philippians 2, it says, well, do everything without complaining and grumbling. Right? Thank you. Missions. Right? I, mean, I hope, I mean, those of you guys remember Peru? Yeah, yeah? Vietnam? No? Okay. Right? We have to memorize Philippians 2, right, for, uh, for, for, for mission training. Right? But this is do everything without complaining or grumbling. So why then are we supposed to complain and grumble before the Lord? Why, why, then, why then does God allow for that? See, what God allows for is not about the grumbling and complaining spirit. God allows for an avenue because he knows that there will be situations where he will put you in that's going to cause you to complain. He's going to put you in a situation for your good that's going to cause you to grumble and be argumentative, and be whining about it. He puts you in there for your sake, and so he knows that in that part, you're going to crumble and complain. So he says, then complain to me. Instead of holding it and being bitter, instead of holding it and actually hurting the people around you, and becoming a, a punk to the people around you, complain to me. Cry out to me. Cry out to me. Say, yes, God, this sucks, but I trust you. I trust you, but I still know that this sucks. I am sad, but I still trust you in the midst of this because I know you placed me here. That's trust. That's real trust. You guys get me? See, a fake trust is just like, I hate you. Why is this happening to me? Right? Real trust is saying, I'm really mad at you. <laughs> Why is this happening to me? But I trust you because you are my father. You've always been good to me. And so even if I'm in this situation, though I do not know why, and even though it sucks and all I want to do is complain about it, I trust you. All right? 
So what is prayer? Prayer is the intentional conveying of a message to God. And what is that message? A message of beseeching, a message of praise, a message of thanksgiving, a message of confession, a message of complaint. That you are allowed to offer this to the Lord. That is prayer. You guys get me? Okay? So when you pray, then pray. Let it not be shallow. Let it not be as if you're going through the motion. Let it not be just a chant that you remember, but let it be a real conveying of our heart's message to God. Now, where do we pray? Where do we pray? Okay, I'm going to go through this real quickly. Where do we pray? All right, Matthew 6, 6, page 6, uh, 678. Matthew 6, 6, 678. This is what it says. Page 678, Matthew 6, 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Where do we pray? We pray in, alone in your private room, right? Have a place where you can pray. Have a, all you also have a place for your TV, yes? The moment you have a house, you know exactly where to put your TV. No? On the wall, on whatever it is, but you know exactly where to put it. You don't even think twice about it. You go in, that's where the TV goes, right? That's where the couch goes. You know exactly where certain things go, right? Or you, or you know exactly where your computer is at. This is my office. This is where my computer is going to be. You know exactly where things are. But then when you ask them, where are you going to pray? Mm, uh, <laughs> uh, you don't know, right? Oftentimes you don't know. It's because you haven't actually created a space for you to pray. And the Bible says pray alone in your room. Is there a place that you can actually go to and pray? And when I, remember, I remember when I was in college, um, all the guys in college, and, and we, I live in this house you know, of uh, all Christian brothers, what we ended up doing was we, we made a closet, right? It's, it's, it, we call it the don't bother me closet, right? It's usually, sometimes they go in there just to sleep because everything's really noisy outside, but oftentimes that closet is supposed to be where you go to, uh, to cry out to God when things are just so messed up you can't hang, hang, uh, hang with it anymore, or when you just, uh, the ministry that, you're, that we're serving in has gone too much and we're just so annoyed by it, we didn't know what to do, so we go in that room and we just kind of scream in there, right? So it's a leave me alone closet, right? I remember... Um, people will come over and they're like, hey, where's so-and-so? They're in the closet, right? They're like, what are they doing in there? I was like, oh, just let them be. They're in the closet, right? And I remember I'll, I'll go in there oftentimes, I'll pray for my disciples, right, who constantly leave me. They're, 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 um, I'll meet with them and they'll be like, they're, they're, they'll, they'll go away somewhere. I'm like, hey, man, like, let's do Bible study. They're like, oh, no, man, I'm really busy. Like, and you, you go in there, you cry out for them. But there's a place. There's a place to pray. Do you have a place like that? you have a place like that in your home? It could be a corner, right? It could be a window. It could be something like in your backyard in some sort of weird spot. But where do you go to pray alone? Where do you pray? Find a spot. It could be your car, right? For the longest time, it was my car, right? Lola was the best place to pray because no one would bother me in there. And she would, you know, it takes forever to warm up the car anyway. So that's where I would pray, you know? Where else will you pray? 1 Peter 3, 7, page 851. Page 851, 1 Peter 3, 7. Where do you pray? You pray in your private room alone. First Peter 3, 7, page 851 in the Bible, it says this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you as the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. You pray with your family. Pray with your family. I know that sounds kind of crazy. Like, I, I, don't, I don't pray with my mom and dad telling me, like, that just, we don't have that relationship 
It just does not work that way. Don't even ask me to do it. You're right. Okay, I'm, I'm, I mean, tough, tough life we live, you know, but we do. We have, sometimes we have hard people to pray. We can't pray with our moms and dads. That's fine. Pray with your siblings, right? Like, I don't know. That's even harder, Tony. I was like, hey, pray with your siblings. Sit them aside and say, let's, let's just pray together. But you got to pray with your family. You know why? Not just what, don't pray with your family only when you eat, okay? Pray with your family as you sleep, as you wake, because you're trying to create a spiritual legacy here. Oftentimes when your children see you pray, they will pray. And oftentimes if they don't see you pray, they won't pray. It's really, it's, it's, it's really something that's caught rather than taught, right? They have to see their family praying so that they themselves will pray. Oftentimes you guys are very bad at prayer because you often don't have your parents to model prayer for you, okay? And so we got into the habit of kind of just pushing prayers aside to before a meal rather than actually spending time in prayer. And if you don't have that time, then make the time. Find your siblings. I, I promise you, if you meet up with your siblings, they're going to be like, that's weird. But then after a while, they're going to be like, that's good. Right? I think it's going to be the same with your parents too. But, you know, who listens to me, right? <laughs> Do with your siblings. Pray with your family. That you will sit down and say, let's pray. As if it was the last pill you will take for your survival. Pray with your family. Right? Um, let me move on. Acts 4, 29, 31, you have to turn there. But basically, page 761, you want to turn there, right? It's praying in small gatherings. It's praying together in the community. Do you guys have a small group? I know a lot of you guys aren't in a small group. You guys are afraid of community for some reason, right? But, you're, but I'm telling you, do you have a There's something about the prayers in a small group. Let me read it for you guys. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with boldness. Just stretch out your hands to heal and perform signs and wonders in the name of, the, of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There is something, there's a, there's a special blessing that God places on community prayer. I don't know what it is. There's a, there's a blessing that God places on when a community gets together and they pray. Whether it's small group, whether it's house groups, whether, whatever, whether it's your disciples, whether it's your, your, your salt groups. But when you get together and you pray, there's something about that time together that God uses it and he blesses it. And he moves people forward. He moves situations and he, and he creates things from those prayers. So do you have one? Pray there. Where do we pray? Alone in your private uh, room. Pray with your family. Pray in small gatherings. Pray in worship. Right? Do you know why we, do you know why we have Jeremiah come up here and pray? It's, it's not like I got to add one more thing to, uh, to the prayer thing for, uh, to our service. And I'm pretty sure Jeremiah loves coming up here every Sunday by himself to do this. You know? I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not that. The reason why we add prayer to this, it is a practice of us coming together to worship God. You know, when I first became a Christian, the one thing I kept seeing about other Christians, maybe this is just a Korean church, but one thing I, I first saw that I, I thought was oddly weird is that whenever they came into the sanctuary, they would sit down and they would bow their heads first. Right? Wherever they went, they would just sit down and bow their heads for just a little, maybe it's like 10, 15 seconds, but they will bow their head first. As a, I mean, at first I was just like, what are they doing? Maybe they're like really struggling today, right? Or they need to do this. But then as I'm just watching over and over, I see this constant um, habit that wherever they step foot into the sanctuary, into a place that bears God's name, a place where God's word is being preached, they step in and they, 
prepare their heart, and they said, God, here I am. Prepare my heart to hear what you have to say. Simple as that. But they come in prayer, not in, I deserve to be here, not in like, oh, finally service is starting, not in like, oh, it's late so I can just do whatever I want, but in a preparation for time with God. When we start singing these songs, you guys know, like I say this so many times, you guys probably don't get it. Praising is just pray, sing, right? You pray to sing, right? You're singing your prayers. Basically, a lot of these songs that we sing is either adoration to God, singing for God, singing before God. And so when we are singing these songs, it's very easy to lose your brain and kind of think of something else. But it is, if you come at it with the right mentality and think, here I am at this moment, I am praying to you, God, as you declare these songs, these words from these songs. It makes singing a whole different aspect. Can you imagine if you're having a conversation with somebody and you're, you're you're talking to them, but you're not even, like, thinking about them? Have you ever, have you ever, like, have you ever had someone talk to you, or you're talking to somebody, but they're not even, like, really there? And, like, like how do you feel? Like, how, how, how does that, like, how do you engage in that? You're, like, and so you kind of move around, they're, like, uh-huh, 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 yeah. That's how I talk to my wife sometimes, uh-huh, uh-huh, right? It's, it's, it's bad, right? You, you get this kind of, it's, it's, it's this lack of connection sometimes, right? That's how she talks to me, like, uh-huh, right? You know, it's, it's lack of connection sometimes. And so in the same way, you come to God and you're, and, you're, and, you're, and you're lipping these words, but you're not actually speaking to him, right? When we open the Bible and I read the word, okay, do you guys pray before you read the word? Would you, would you, do you ever pray silently and say, I have no idea what Tony's going to say today, God, but whatever comes out of this word, may it speak to my heart and may I obey it, no matter how difficult it may be. Do we have that prayerful spirit when we come? When the word is being spoken like this, do we have that spirit to say before, during, and after, God, speak to me through your word? Let it not just go over my head or one ear and out the other. That it actually engages me to act. Where do we pray? Alone, with your family, small gatherings, in worship, right? We pray everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere you go, let it be like breathing. You know, every time I talk to people, I have one prayer. I say, Lord, if you want me to witness, give me a sign. That's all I know. I was like, if you want me to share my gospel, please give me a sign. But I would say it in my head, and usually, you know, the sign doesn't show or it does show, and I ignore it. But, you know, it's still that prayer, right? Or when I'm walking along, I just say, thank you today. Today is a good day, right? Or I finish a long day of work, right? And like, today, thank you, Lord, for this day. At least I can come home to my kids, right? It's late. They're probably sleeping, but thank you, Lord. Right? I have a home to come to. You guys get me? You pray as if it's breathing. Natural course. All right, last one. Here we go. Why do we pray? Why do we pray? Okay? Why do we pray? Can you go to Romans chapter 11? Uh, it's on page 789. Romans 11, 34 to 36. Romans 11, 34 to 36. Why do we pray? And if you've fallen asleep, please wake up right now, okay? This is, this is the moment. I, I need you to know this because if you know this, hopefully it will inspire you, okay? Romans 11, 34 to 36. Here we go. This is about God. Romans 11, verse 34 to 36. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things... To him be the glory forever. Amen. See, God runs the world. 
Yes? He runs the world in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite love, in his infinite power. You and I, you and I never inform God of anything. We don't need to tell God anything. We don't need to tell him anything that, we, that he doesn't already know. We don't need to remind him. I say, oh, just in case you forgot, is my buddy, please save him, right? You don't need to remind him of anything that he does not already know. In his wisdom, he has caused all his storyline has been written. He knows things from the beginning to the end. He is past and he is future, alpha, omega. He knows all things and all things are all part of his causality. But this is why we pray, because he has given you, listen, he has given you the privilege to speak into that creation, right? What do I mean by that? He has given you the privilege to pray in such a way that even though if you did not pray, it would not have happened. But because you prayed, he takes that prayer and he says, let me fold it into my already plan. Let me fold that into my creation already. Let me take your heart's desire. Let me take what you have dreamed and hope and want. And let me fold that into this huge continuum of causality that I have made. He has given us the privilege to be part of creation without changing anything of his plan. That's how crazy it is. He has given us the heart to say, when you pray, I won't go, uh, go real fast. James chapter 4, verse 2. This is so crazy. James chapter 4, verse 2. This is what it says here. It says, you want something but don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. Listen, you do not have because you do not ask God. Do you know what that means? That means that if you did not ask God, it would not have happened. If the reason why this did not come about is because you did not ask God. But because you asked God, he took that prayer in his will and he folded that into his creation process. Right? If you just left, for example, I'll give you an example. That is why a man who is unwilling to meet or know or want God will stay that way. Unchanged, unfazed, because nothing and no one has ever prayed for him. Or he himself has never prayed for himself. And yet, the moment when we begin to beseech God on his behalf, or he begins to say, God, I want you, he takes that which would not have happened if he did not pray, and he says, then let me transform you. Then let me bring about that change. And let me bring you to be part of that story. That's why oftentimes you see a couple, and they're in the church, and you're like, I'm not sure if that couple's going to last, or how they got together, how things are going, doesn't seem like it's going to fit. And yet, if there is prayer in that relationship, yet if there are people praying for that relationship, yet if people are begging God on behalf of that relationship, you know what God does? He takes this broken, sinful picture, rebellious picture of a relationship, and he says, okay, let me fold into something beautiful. Let me mold it into something that is broken, into something that is wonderful. Let me, be, let, me, let me make it into a part of God's plan and design. That's why you can get someone who 10 years ago you would never believe would get anywhere in life, especially in the church. And yet 10 years after that, with prayer in their life, with people praying over them, people blessing them, and them themselves coming to God in prayer, you see the transition of transformation. That would not have happened if you let them be as they were. Does that make sense? You have the privilege by God to be a part of the creation process. You would be a fool not to pray. You would be a fool not to engage in something when God says, pray. 
You do not have because you did not ask. It did not happen because you did not ask for it. It it does not say it will happen no matter what. It says you did not have because you did not ask. And so when we begin to pray for friends or for family members, for salvation, right? you begin to say, God, I beseech them on your behalf, on their behalf, for you. And you begin to pray for them. You begin to ask the Lord for them. And then what happens? He takes that and his heart, he folds it into his plan. You're part of the creation process. It's crazy where it would not have happened if you didn't say anything, if you left it as is. Do you know that a lot of you guys are where you guys are at because there were people praying for you? It was not some magical formula that you were just like, I'm just going to meet Jesus today, right? Somebody in your life begged the Lord for you to meet Jesus. Somebody in your life got on their knees, cried their tears, and said, God, if not them, then not me. Somebody in your life prayed and fasted so that you would know him for who he is, so that you would grow into the men or to the woman that he has made you to be. Somebody has prayed for you to be here. If you're here for the first time or you're here just exploring, can I tell you, somebody has prayed for you to come, that you are part of that person's prayer process and God took what is broken and ugly and disoriented and he says let me build it into my plan that you are part of God's creation process because somebody prayed for you you would be a fool not to be a part of it you guys get me why do we pray it is your privilege to pray it is the privilege that God's given you to pray so don't be a fool and just neglect prayer what could not have been becomes when God's people begin to say, yes, I will, right? And lastly, we are told to pray, right? We're told to pray for one another that we may be healed, to pray without ceasing, to pray that you may not enter into temptation, to pray not to lose heart. We are told by God himself, by Jesus, to continue to pray. Now, I know that last thing, okay, why does that matter? And you're right, it does not matter who is Christ that you would care. It would matter very little if you did not see the cross for which he did it for, right? The fact that he would take the cross and give his life for you. If he is who he says he is and he took the cross and to give his life for you, then when he tells you to pray, it cannot be for your bad. Do you guys get that? It cannot be so that it will just hurt you and destroy you. If he's willing to give his actual life for your sake, then for him to say, pray, can only be for your benefit, not for your harm. I have nothing, like I said, to offer you practicalities here. I can tell you what prayer is. I can tell you where to pray. I can even tell you how great it is to pray. But there is no power in the prayer unless you understand that Jesus Christ himself calls you to pray. And the only reason why he calls you to pray is because he says, I know that it is good for you. It is for your benefit, not for your harm. It is for your uplifting, not for your destruction. So pray. Beseech me in prayer. Come to me in prayer. Seek me in prayer. Do not stop praying. Ask, complain, confess, give thanks, give praise in private, in family. 
in community, in worship, everywhere. Because I have given you the privilege to be part of the creation process. And I'm telling you, it is for your good. Let's bow your heads. Let's pray.